Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is Jake Burns, your host. We are going to be joined by John Colosimo here in a second. Um, we are going to talk about uh, a pretty fun topic. I think you'll like it. Uh, just a reminder, I am out. This is being recorded on Sunday. And this question comes from a listener, which I will explain here in just a moment. Fun topic, though, and it does pertain to the bigger overarching picture of what the Browns are trying to do with this group, where they're going in the future. All of that stuff is being examined closely uh, as they as they kick off camp here. So let's go ahead and talk with John Colosimo right now. So got a pretty good idea from a listener named Jason. He's at O-H-I-S-H-I-N, which I believe is Ohishin. Ohishin? Uh, I don't know. Jason, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that uh, incorrectly. Wanted to bring on good friend John Colosimo. I've been on John's pod many times. Uh, he's been on my pod many times. We shared a pod together. He's he's trying to father two two little ones. I, I was able to carve a little bit of his time, uh, which is which is like, you know, making a pact with a third world country at this point to, to, to see John get a couple of minutes away during the daytime. John, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, that, that's an excellent description of what it's like. Yeah, I'm doing good, Jake. How you doing, man? I, I had to trade some future picks down the line to your wife to make this happen. So she's got a couple of our uh, early first round picks in the next few years. Um. Well, yeah, so the idea here from Jason, which is great, and I had John uh, come up with this list of, of his too, which is uh, for, for the purpose of how the Browns sort of view positions, really the NFL, but, but analyzing how the Browns, who do have a, a, a really heavy focus on analytics, we know this, this is not a secret, we've said it so many times in the past five years, but they, they sort of would value positions differently. So Jason asked to rank the position groups on offense and defense from most important to least important in regards to winning football games. Also taking into account transcendent, uh, transcendent players that can exceed their positional rankings. So this will help us guess how Andrew Barry might spend his money moving forward. So we'll rank out our best here, explain a little bit, and then talk about guys who might, if they're at the bottom of this, might transcend the position, which means could they be worth paying? So let's do offense first. We'll just go back and forth. I would imagine we both started with quarterback. Pretty logical. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Doesn't need explained. Baker's probably going to get paid. The odds on that percentage right now are like 95%. Maybe a little less, maybe 90%, but it's still extremely high. He's going to get paid. And then I went wide receiver second. What did you go with a second? Yeah, it, this was a tough, uh, you know, basically go either way. I went tackle, but I okay. uh, wide receiver was not the next one. So, yeah, no, I went tackle after that. So it's just a matter of like, do you value a little more protection or do you value guys who can separate quickly? There's a debate to be had on that. I think pro football focus geared their idea toward wide receiver war being pretty high, which is. Agreed. Uh, a reason I went wide receiver, but I don't think you're wrong going offensive tackle because we've seen the Browns have failures at offensive tackle. You obviously need to have answers. They knew they needed answers and went out and found them. So I don't think either of those are, are wrong at all to flip-flop those. The, the fourth one, I think the rest of the list gets interesting. What did you have fourth? I had center. So, um, okay. you know, I think you can go a lot of different ways, um, you know, and obviously, you know, things matter, but like a, a bad center, um, it can certainly uh, just torpedo your offense. So uh, I went center above uh, some very interesting choices after that. Well, I went tight end uh, because I think, especially with how the Browns will focus 
They put an emphasis from the second Barry arrived on signing a tight end, not just any ordinary tight end. They paid top dollar to Austin Hooper because they know they need them and then invested in another tight end during the draft. So I think they really value it. But my next one is center because I am with you, John, that center is a position where if you watch and God, it was such a great opportunity. One of the few things that made it unique last year was that you could hear how much communication the center had every game. You plugged headphones in and you watched it on game pass from the TV view when they suck in all the sideline or on field and sideline noise. It was really, really cool. And JC Treader had a ton, man. Like that guy gets up to the line. He's usually making some sort of blocking call. If it's a run scheme, he's making some sort of named Linda, whatever. Uh, if he, if he's up, uh, he'll also name the mic. He'll call out the mic number. Um, and then he'll also in pass protection, call out where blitzes are coming from, help out with slide protection. Baker does some of it too, but a cerebral center who can do a lot of things, wildly important. I think if you're looking at second, most important thing on the offensive line, I don't think that's debatable. I just had tight end ahead of it. Did you have tight end next or did you have something else? I had tight end next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's that's all right. That's yeah. all right. We flip. we've only flip-flopped a couple of things. So guys, I thought in, and from the, the idea of transcendent players, uh, JC Treader's already been paid. I don't think he makes it to another contract. So they're going to look at, they're going to look, I guess they could maybe make a one year deal or something like that. But the way his age is creeping up, he's been wildly durable. Like he's not missed a game as a Brown. So there's that to consider too. And he arrived at the same time Baker did. All of that stuff plays a factor. Um, I think tight end, the only guy that stands out to me who could be a guy that could show it is David Najoku, right? Yeah. Like, if he yeah. has a great year, they might look at prioritizing paying him. I know there's ways to, uh, you know, work that deal to pay down the line a little bit once Hooper's contracts expired, right? So if they maybe backload his contract and, and that takes a, a year off of the big payment they have to Hooper, I, I'm sure they can get fancy with that a little bit. But that's the only guy I can think of. I mean, Harrison Bryant could have something, right? But it's a ways off. I don't know. Any other things? I mean, there's like a, a lineman you see jumping into a transcendent center role i mean nick harris maybe but that's like super yeah i mean that's the that's the name you know is nick harris and seeing what he's got and seeing if he's good enough for them to move on they might feel you know i think that's the big question do they feel more comfortable moving on from jc treadle with harris or do they feel more comfortable with one of their guards like forbes uh and letting a um you know um Letting uh, what's his name go? Sorry, um, you know who's, who's due? Yeah, who might be due for a giant contract? You know, I think one of the difficult things about doing a list like this is I do believe in the concept of uh, the offensive line being a weak link type unit, um, where it's more important that you have solid guys across the entire line than it is maybe having superstars. I don't think it's the same way with like wide receiver or something like that. You know, you don't want a bunch of middling guides. Um, at your wide receiver, wide receiver positions. But if you are at least average at every single position of the offensive line, especially with a coach like Bill Callahan, then uh, I think you're in good shape. But, you know, I don't necessarily think that you know, this exercise reflects that. For sure. For sure. So that leaves two positions. I went, I went running back and guard. I, I think for the Brown situation, it's not the rest of the league. Obviously, a running back in Cleveland system, I think, is a far is a far different thing than a running back in Kansas City's who took a took a first round running back, by the way. Um, I just think it's a different thing. I think I think that there's a misconception floating out there, John, which is like, well, Wyatt Teller was out and the Browns ran for this many fewer yards per carry. 
Well, hey, guess who else was missing? That guy named Nick Chubb who runs the system really proficiently. <laughs> he was out. So that's kind of a really big thing. If 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 the Browns are, and I don't think we have to both say who the who the transcendent players are at the bottom of these two, it's Nick and Wyatt. If the Browns are to let Nick go, I think you will find that people will understand why I think I think guard is just a more pluggable position, plug and play. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, if you listeners want to yell at me, maybe I'm wrong. But and maybe again, if Joel leaves and Wyatt, they don't sign Wyatt back and you start Drew Forbes and you maybe move James Hudson inside, I have a different opinion. But I just think with the way the structure, I just watched Michael Dunn come in and play his ass off against Cam Hayward. And like the structure of what they do, I think you can find guards that handle the scheme better than trying to play Dearness Johnson, Nick Chubb's carries. I just think that that's, I think running back is a touch more valuable what they do than a guard. That's just me. Am I wrong? What did you think? No, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people agree. Um, so I did have running back there. Um, and uh, it, I think this year was a little bit of a test as to, you know, what that thing looks like without a Nick Chubb. And it was certainly less proficient and, uh, you know, much less uh, reliable without Nick Chubb in there. And uh, I'd go a little further even with these ideas about uh, this six game stretch without Wyatt Teller. It's we've had Nick Chubb for three years. We only had a really good line for one, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. never been, you know, it, you know, you want to take a look at, uh, you know, you can throw out the Wyatt Teller games in my opinion, go to 2019. That's one of the worst offensive lines I've seen out of the Browns in the last 20 years. And he was, still a very, very good running back. So, you know, I don't buy that kind of the, those stats, uh, you know, in regards to, um, you know, making a definitive judgment on Wyatt Teller's uh, effectiveness in the running game, because I've seen uh, Nick Chubb for three years now with uh, two of which are much, you know, much lower level line play. And uh, he's been a fantastic back all three years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And I think you can, a, Nick, a guy like Nick is able to, and we illustrated this in the chalk talk we did at the OBR Thursday night, he's able to manipulate defenses to, to, to use his guys. If a guy gets beat, he can use that. He can create a different course as he's moving to, to allow. He can set up a guy inside to get a linebacker to suck down and then bounce it. Or he can set up an outside jab step and then get up inside and hit the bang course. I mean, he just has a way of doing that. And he has proven he can handle it even with less skill than what they've had. Now, I would love to sign Wyatt Teller back. I think he's a great player. I think that they'll use the early portion of the season to judge him and say, was last year a fluke or was there really something that dominant here? And they'll make a judgment call off of that. I don't know that they'll, if they, I always go back to this, like all these guys were discussing the Baker, Nick, Denzel, uh, all these guys who are up for next deal. Wyatt to me is the least important. Does that mean I don't want Wyatt Teller? Hell no. I would love to keep Wyatt Teller. He fits into Cleveland so well. He's, He's that type of dude. You watch all the stuff on, on, on building the Browns. He's very vocal. He's tough as hell. I would love to keep him, but I don't, I don't know that I would love to lose Denzel Ward because Wyatt Teller had to get a deal. Like that would just kind of bother me, you know? So again, this is just as we sit a couple of days before training camp. We're not, I'm not, I'm not judging this at the end of the year or anything after we've seen the, this upcoming wildly important year. This, this year is so important for so many guys' money. We've talked about how, Last year was important. No, this is the year where I think it's been under under discussed, John. Like if things were to go as piss poor as they could, and I hate talking about this, but we always talk about how well it could go. It could go bad. And again, I don't think it will, but it could. And they go five and 11 or whatever it is, five and 12 or five and whatever, whatever the number is, this whole new game shit is messed with my brain. It's breaking my brain. (laughs) You got it. If, If these guys don't play, this team could look really different next year. It just could look like, it could look really different is all I'm saying. David could be gone. Wyatt could be gone. Nick could be gone. All guys that don't have a deal next year. So I think they're going to be really good, but there's also a lot of decisions to be made on people, like a crazy amount of decisions to be made. There's only really Miles Garrett locked into the foreseeable future. That's it. And a couple other like two-year things that are hovering too. So um, let's switch to defense before I, before I break everybody before training camp. I'm not trying to do that. I think they're going to be good, but you always have to recognize that things could go sideways. It's not always, it's not always like linear progress in the NFL. Sometimes shit can get, get strange. We don't want that, but it could defense. I had cornerback first. I'm a, I'm a believer that you can, you know, I love, I love miles Garrett. I think the end is crazy important getting pass rush, but I'm a believe that you can, you can manipulate pressure, but you can't manipulate coverage. I think coverage is like, you just got to find guys who can cover. And I think you need them. And I think cornerback's most important on that side. Yep. I had corner as well. And, you know, it's, it's tough to really separate the two, um, you know, from your front four and your secondary, uh, because I think it, it is a truly symbiotic relationship that they have, but uh, I'm in agreement with you that corner was my number one. Um. Yep. Corner. I went D end. I mean, you know, it, yep. as we talk, I talk mm-hmm. about manipulating pressures, coming up with ways to generate pressure, whether that's moving a guy around to get on the weakest offensive lineman, doing different things to, to, to manipulate or overload a side slide pressure, get a free blitzer that stuff's out there. But if you can just play three or play four and drop six or drop seven 
and get a guy home, it's 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 the second most important thing to me. Like that's why Miles Garrett is worth every penny they pay for him because he can't. And if the coverage improves this year from a start to two seconds, like from the rip of the ball being snapped to two seconds, which is when Miles would would be able to get by his man in some way, shape, or form m- most often. But then it's like ball was out. If they can do better at that he'll get home on some of those situations and the sack numbers will improve and turnovers will thus uh, on, be on the rise in my opinion. So I put D in two. I would imagine you did too. I did. Yep. Yeah, and you're right. Like I expect uh, miles best year. And uh, I think that people um, should credit the secondary improvements in that because miles has had a tough job since he's been uh, with Cleveland Browns at, at trying to rack up just straight numbers. Agreed. Agreed. He's got the best opportunity to be be like elite, elite from a number standpoint. If you look right. at Brandon Thorne's metrics, which again, we talked to Brandon a couple of weeks ago, cannot urge you enough to sign up for his trench warfare stuff because he illustrates how quality the sacks are that Miles puts up as opposed to TJ Watt, who I think TJ Watt is great. TJ Watt's probably going to reset the, the DN market, but like the, the, the types of sacks TJ gets compared to Miles, night and day, night and day. That's why you have to judge sacks on high quality, low quality, all that stuff, because it matters. A sack going one-on-one with Trent Williams is different than a sack where you overload pressure and the quarterback doesn't understand the pressure in front of him and TJ Watt comes free. It's different. So so spare me that, Pittsburgh fans. Um, I next went safety, probably a hot pick. Um, You might have valued, and I I don't think anybody who's wrong who values interior pressure and puts D-tackle above safety, but we have seen – in my opinion, coverage is so important. I need my safeties to be an active part of coverage. And I included, I should have said, I included in corner, I included slot corner because I think that position is still so undervalued. Um, I, I don't know who's going who's gonna to jump on that market inefficiency thing there. I, someone eventually is going to get it right. Like and sign just like three of these SOBs and play them all the time, waiting on someone to do that because <laughs> they're so cheap in free agency and they get drafted yeah. in the middle round. So, um, but I went safety. I just think you, with today's NFL, when they want to play more four two five and you need bigger guys to be able to play a run game, pass game uh, hybrid. I think it's, it's extremely important to play guys who are not a liability in coverage and safety to me is, is, is crazy important. I think they've improved it. Ronnie Grant, knock on wood that he's healthy, comes back to be the player we think he is. And we know what John Johnson can be as long as he gets a shot eventually. Um, uh, that, that I think they're going to be pretty good at safety. And, and then, you know, D tackle, you need, you need them, you need them, but when I watched last year, I didn't think the D tackle between Larry and Sheldon broke them. I think they were fine, but they also were not, they they were so impacted by coverage issues everywhere that they couldn't really be as effective as maybe they could have been. So I don't know. I just, I just would value a better safety over, um, you know, would I take Aaron Donald over John Johnson or whoever, you know, Minka or whoever the other elite safeties are, Jesse Bates. um, Who's the cat out? Justin Simmons. I would take Aaron. I would take, let me put it this way, John. I would take the elitist, of the elite D tackle really high in this list, but there's not enough of that guy. There's not enough Aaron. Don- there, there may never ever be another Aaron Donald. So like, that's kind of what I'm getting. I think average safety play or average D tackle play every day of the week for me. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, when I got to the portion of this question that talked about uh, transition, you know, over their position group, I thought immediately of D-tackle because – but the thing is, is that, you know, I've been watching football for, I don't know, 25 years. Uh, It's been Aaron Donald and uh, Warren Sapp, and that's basically it. And then you got to go – you know, it's not that there weren't other good guys. There have been decent guys. There's like Geno Atkins and Fletcher Cox, but those aren't the same. Yeah. Right. Right. Like those, the the guys that, um, 
you know, can dominate in the middle are like straight up unicorns, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like more, it's harder to find a dominant defensive tackle in the range of a Darren Donald than it is to find a hall of fame quarterback. Like that you will find more hall of fame quarterbacks over the same amount of time in the NFL draft. than you'll find an Aaron Donald. Like that's just, you know, the way that that goes. So, you know, being that as it, as it were, you know, I don't find targeting them, uh, you know, a profitable business, you know, usually you're just going to end up, you know, with, uh, with deuces there, you know, so yeah, I definitely have safety above that. I think they, uh, you know, I, I've been on record saying that I think that uh, the upgrade from Andrew Sandejo to, um, to John Johnson is the single biggest upgrade in the NFL offseason, and I'm mm-hmm. going to stick with that. And uh, I think that that's going to that's some, our most bankable improvement on defense is um, is at that safety position. John Johnson is going to be a fantastic pickup for us. So yeah, I had safety next. Okay, yeah. Then I went DT. I mean, safety. Ronnie Harrison's a guy who could be a transcendent. He was we had his best pro year last year. Now he didn't play a high volume of snaps. I think when we talked about it in the safety preview, he was in the just right at the 300 number. Um, didn't play a high volume of snaps, but could be a guy who, if he has a breakout year, is the type of guy they would have to pay. If he has a great, great season, uh, they could have to pay him. Defensive tackle, I don't have anybody right now. I'm just hoping they get to average defensive tackle play. And maybe down the line, somebody like, like Tommy Togi, I can become an effective player. But uh, right now, I, I don't have anybody there. So um, lastly, linebacker. Uh, is is last i think you just need these guys to be average I, I, I just does it help to have i think devin white has been like this poster child who didn't really have great metrics from a performance standpoint but had a couple uh athletic feats in the super bowl and everyone's like you need a devin white okay man i guess kind of you could you could use it but like um do you need it no i don't think you need it i thought letting joe Schobert walk hurt i didn't i liked him as a cleveland brown but i understood it and they got better play out of it it was a great move so i just think you need your linebackers to be okay you need guys who fit into specific roles first and second down mike a third down will uh, an early down sam that you need them to fit roles you know you don't you know if you come across a darius leonard great if they came across to darius leonard 2.0 or i, sh- I hate 2.0 it should be like a darius leonard uh, a homeless version of Darius Leonard, or, or what do you call it? A, a, a poor man's version of Darius Leonard. Cause I don't want to put that pressure on JOK, but that would be a home run. And if he turns into something more, they might have to pay him down the line. If Jacob Phillips takes some steps that we think he could, maybe they end up paying him down the line. He's got a ways to go. I thought week 17, he had eight stop tackles filling in for BJ Goodson in that clincher to get to the playoffs. He was fantastic. He's all over the field. He flashes. You need rookies to flash a reminder about like my Jordan Elliott take no flashes. It makes me nervous. Jacob Phillips flashes. I think that guy's got something there. It's about harnessing it. Uh, but the only guy that came to my mind here really is a guy that, and this is the guy's even played an NFL snap, not even a preseason snap. Is JOK? I mean, could be in four years a guy maybe they have to pay, but that's that's really it for me. I mean, I th- just think your linebacker's got to be okay, right? Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said. And with regards to JOK, you know, where you might see like something special is in two ranges. And these are actually the first two words out of his position coach's mouth when they were interviewed, which is coverage and blitzing. And, uh, you know, you've done a film study of JOK. Like the thing that could make him special is being a very good coverage linebacker, because that's, what's rare. I mean, shit, you look at uh, the PFF grades, uh, the position group is 
just brutal. It is a brutal position group. There are so few decent linebackers um, across the league, grade wise. Um, it, you know, it's a it, it's wild. So if you if he can be very good in coverage in today's NFL and uh, give you something in the pass rush. Um, you know, for blitzes and things like that, which he does have those skills, like that would be special and worth keeping around. But uh, outside of that, uh, yeah, I think you're just looking to kind of, you know, not have a, uh, what, a Huckleberry or whatever to pick on on defense. You know, that's that's yeah. the goal, I think, in today's NFL is just don't have somebody that, you know, when it's third down that they're going after every single time. Yeah, that's the that's the part. Raise your basement. Don't have a weak link that is so identifiable that they cause you issues. And the Browns had, I think, on defense last year at any given moment, I think they were playing two or three weak links all the time. And that that's a problem. Yeah. You can't you can't have that. And it gets exploited and 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 uh that's that's what we're hoping to avoid this year. And and JOK, just like John Costco said yesterday, we talked about it. And I maybe it was on air, maybe it was off air, but they just got to find a role for him. I don't want them to just turn him loose. I think that can be dangerous. I need them to find something that he gets really good at. An overhang curl flat hook guy who can run with bigger uh, bigger slot players, tight ends, that's fine. Find a role for him because if you can find a role for him that fits your defense, he can become a part of the future. But if you just kind of freelance him, I get a little worried about that. So, um, but, you know, but to the original point, linebacker is the least valuable. We may have surprised some people with running back being ahead of guard, but this offense, again, that's not a league-wide thing. That's just what I think about the Browns offense and how it's structured uh, operates. So this was fun. A lot of good information uh, for you hey, guys. Jay. If you have any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just want to make one more uh, quick uh, point uh, based on, on that question. You know, I, I just want to impress upon listeners that, you know, you shouldn't consider, you know, just who you pay on a second contract as your resources. Remember that your resources are your cap dollars and your draft picks. And so, you know, investing your draft picks, your high draft picks into these positions is the same thing. And you might have to let good, good players walk um, on occasion, you know, and if you watch a team like the, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, you've watched them let a lot of players walk out of valuable positions and take on big second contracts. So just remember that, you know, your resources are not just who he's going to pay on second contract. It's who they are investing their high draft picks into. So good, good point, my friend. Good point. Thanks, John. We appreciate your time, my friend. And uh, make sure you guys are checking out John's work. He just wrote a good article on Baker that aired on um, Brown's digest for SI uh, with, with Pete Smith corner there. And, and um, he'll have more, he'll have more throughout the season and check out nothing but the dogs podcast. John, thanks again, man. Thanks buddy. Okay, hopefully everybody has a good Tuesday. appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, You know, camp's kicking off here. Hopefully you're enjoying the start of that. We'll see what news trickles out when I come back into cell phone service land. We'll have one more pre-recorded pod tomorrow with Fred Greetham. Thanks again for joining us today, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed. We'll talk soon. Go Browns.